uh, what they were saying was true, which wasn't. And they had to say that all the data was lost. And this is impossible for all much data to be lost. Uh, number 15, the moon has a breathable atmosphere, as Howard Benger says uh, in, the, uh, in his book, so why did the astronauts have to wear space suits? Uh, number 16, mounts in the background of several alleged moon landings to different areas show the identical moon uh, background in the back. They used the same set, they didn't change them. <clears throat> Number 17, NASA claims uh, the Apollo 11 crew spliced down safely at 12.50 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on July 24th, about 900 miles southwest of Hawaii in the North Pacific Ocean. A passenger airline, uh, airline, an airline passenger claims he saw something being pushed out of a military cargo jet that had three parachutes, which might have been his Apollo mission. Uh, but in addition, when this Apollo command module re-entered, it was like 5,000 degrees uh, until about uh, when the parachutes opened and landed on the ocean. And when you look at the thing splashed down, uh, uh, there's no steam coming up. It's just, just like it normally. And uh, when you see the, uh, uh, the astronauts getting out of the helicopter, that allegedly picked them up from the command module and took them to the aircraft carrier. Uh, you can see <clears throat> um, when they walked down the steps from the helicopter to the flight deck of the uh, aircraft carrier, they just walked normally, you know, just uh, tripped on down the stairs like they hadn't been lying on their backs for uh, eight days. Um, Jupiter 38 million years ago and it's actually kind of a spaceship and uh, it was towed to Earth uh, about 15 million years ago and uh, at the end of the Ice Age and it's it's orbited Earth uh, and they use it as there's a you know a holy facilities laboratories place to uh, hospitals uh, or rooms where abductees can be put on, where they do all kinds of things. They, uh, uh, they give us different upgrades. Um, they do all kinds of things which we're not allowed to remember. But what's interesting is that my whole family has been uh, subject to all this stuff. And my grandson, who's now, uh, I think, 21 or close to it, um, he came in running into my den one day and says, Grandpa, Grandpa, I just went to the moon. 
I said, really? What was it like? What happened? He said, well, I was at my treehouse with my friends and the atmosphere turned green. He said, and then I didn't, he said I was knocked out, but I woke up in a laboratory lying on a gurney and this, um, uh, and this uh, alien was working on me. And uh, I said, tell me about what, what was he using? And he said, well, he just reached up into the air and these tools that he needed would just appear. And uh, he said, then uh, after that was over, uh, they brought me back here and uh, I came into the den. Now, I asked him, uh, I had never talked to him much about aliens or, or anything like that. And I said, well, what does he look like? And I showed him a bunch of uh, photos uh, of different types of aliens. He picked out one, which is the, uh, the praying mantis type. And uh, Allie, do you know where that picture that Damien draws his surgeon is? He used to be around here, but uh, I asked him to draw a picture and uh, it's pretty strange. But stuff like that has happened to our family all the time. And I don't have any memory of all that, so, uh, but I'm sure it's there. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about is um, the Nevada test site. All of you know that about 90 miles uh, northwest of here is a huge, huge area with thousands of acres uh, that they use for Nellis training and where the deeper secret test sites are. One is called Groom Lake, one is called Tonopah Test Range, and another is called Paiute Mesa. The one at Paiute Mesa was started uh, brand new, or should be built in 1980. They finished it in 1987. And what they, their problem was, they needed 5,000 workers uh, to uh, man, the, to, to run, the secret base. It was built inside of the earth about a mile down and uh, they needed to get 5,000 um, people up there in the morning and back at night and uh, <clears throat> without anybody knowing. Now as you know uh, at the airport special project has uh, five or six Boeing 737s um, painted red and white and uh, they take all the, the other uh, workers up to Groom Lake and Tonopah. But this other secret base, uh, they didn't want anybody to know about. So they built a subway uh, going from 100 feet under the Luxor to the uh, Aria, to the Bellagio, and then up to the test site. It's called a Maglev subway, uh, and it only takes about 13 minutes to go up there. And what they did, the reason they picked Bellagio is because Steve Wynn had so much extra underground parking uh, that they could use that uh, when they started getting ro really rolling in the early 90s. And uh, then they had to build other ones because there were more people being taken up there. So they had to make a deal with the Aria uh, to use underground and very few people are told anything about this subway and uh, the original terminus 
uh, on this end was at the Luxor Hotel. And the reason it was at the Luxor is because just across the street from the Luxor is special projects where the 737 is parked. And there are several people, not many, but several people that are allowed to go from special projects uh, on the subway up to the secret test site. Now, the secret test site, the new one, um, is underground, about a mile up underground, and 13 miles to the northwest, um, they built a brand new airport, much bigger than Groom Lake. It has two 14,000 foot uh, runways, <clears throat> and it has a hangar uh, in the middle, which is divided so that one secret project can work entirely not seen by another secret project using uh, one of the runways. And also the entire airport is built 15, 15 feet below uh, ground level so that nobody with binoculars anywhere around there uh, can see what's going on. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, Kelly Johnson was the original head of the Stumpers for Lockheed, and uh, he's the one that uh, in charge the uh, building of the P-80, the U-2, uh, the SR-71, and the beginning of the F-117A uh, stealth fighter. and. Kelly was a genius, and he retired in uh, in uh, 1975. Allie? Allie? Yeah? Do you know where that map is that was in my bathroom? I wanted to show him something. The map of the bathroom? The map, map of the bathroom. Kelly Johnson retired in 1975, and in his place was a guy named Ben Rich. Ben Rich uh, was born in the Philippines, uh, and uh, when he was a college age, he was sent over to uh, Los Angeles, where he uh, got an engineering degree from UCLA, and uh, when he was... The right one. This is my map of Nevada, and uh, I've kept track of where these uh, uh, subways go. This is Las Vegas, and this is Groom Lake, and this is the secret test site, and this is Tonopah Test Drive, and this is a place called Crystal Springs, and the, the one that goes all the way up there. I don't know what the name of the base is, but it's just south, 44 miles south of Wendover, and that's where the uh, black triangles fly out of. And <clears throat> down here, at this base here, um, you could see it, but what they've done is they developed uh, holography to a state, a state matter, and holography back in uh, 1960s. But they've developed in such a fine state now that uh, um, they can put anything in the air that they want. You know, the, the uh, 20th anniversary is coming up uh, on 9-11. And I've been, just finished two books uh, uh, talking about the NSA 
and both books may have been published in, in 2010, but they should have known. Uh, uh, they talk in those books about the planes that crashed into the, into the uh, World Trade Center. There were no planes. Uh, no planes crashed into the World Trade Center or the Pentagon. They were all holograms. <clears throat> and those planes uh, were 757 and 767 commercial airplanes, uh, which all have a unit called ACARS, A-C-A-R-S. And what this unit does is it collects uh, data, uh, what's going on right now on the airplane, and it gives position, time, altitude, and, it, uh, and, it's, and position, and it sends that data to a satellite, which sends it to the uh, manufacturer of the airplane and the manufacturer of the engines, so that they know what's going on at all times. And when somebody got off, since it goes through satellite, um, with careful hacking, we were able to find out that after the four alleged crashes on 9-11, all four of those airplanes went back to Grim Lake. So the whole thing of 9-11 was engineered by the Israelis in 1980. And uh, the whole purpose of this, and they took 20 years to do it, was to get the United States into the, into the Middle East to attack the four uh, the six countries that were a threat to Israel. And uh, by what they had to do is uh, make some kind of disaster that the Muslims, Muslims were responsible for and get the Americans so riled up uh, that we would send um, uh, our soldiers to Iraq uh, and Afghanistan and any place there was Muslim. But, it was all BS. Uh, this was all an inside job uh, with, uh, if Dick Cheney wasn't at the very top, he was certainly uh, very close to the top of this, uh, of this scam. And uh, probably a hundred of our top uh, government officials hold dual American Israeli passports. And when they hold an Israeli passport, it means their sympathies go with Israel. Now, in the, in the 90s, they started increasing the security of the test site. And the test site, as I, as I told you, has Groom Lake, uh, Tampa Test Range, uh, Paiute Mesa. And then there's a whole area around uh, that includes the atomic underground, they used to include the atomic underground testing, and it's a huge area. And since 1980, uh, they've increased the security, so when you go to work in the morning, you're not only uh, weighed, you have hand fingerprints, uh, eye uh, things that they, they can see from your eye when, uh, if you're the person and all kinds of stuff to be sure uh, who works there. Now, in 1975, <clears throat> when Kelly Johnson retired, uh, this guy who was his fair-haired boy named Ben Rich, uh, who had come to work in uh, at Lockheed in 1953, 
um, and he was really a smart guy. And he helped a lot uh, on the SR-71 and the U-2. And um, the problem was when he went to work for Lockheed and they wanted to ship them over to the Skunk Works, he had to have a top secret clearance. And unless you were born in the United States, you cannot have a top secret clearance, no matter what. Uh, so what they did is they faked his uh, background and where he was born, and uh, they gave him a fake name called Ben Dover, B-E-N-C-O-V-A-R. <laughs> it was a joke against the American uh, security uh, that they had put this over on him. So uh, anyway, uh, Ben Ridge took over uh, in 1976. Uh, at that time, they were building the YF-12A, or I mean the uh, F-117A, and the guy in charge of the F-117A for the Air Force was a guy named Robert M. Bobby Bonds. And uh, he was really a smart guy. Uh, he used, at that time, um, the Skunk Works office was down in Burbank, and Ben Rich had his office there. And uh, at one of the times that uh, uh, Bobby Bonds was in 1977, when he was up there in the office, he noticed a door in Ben Rich's office that had a lock that was specific to the Navy and that nobody ever used it. And since he was Air Force, he asked Ben, what's in there? And uh, Ben said, I can't tell you, you don't have enough clearance. And Bob, Bobby Bond said, you gotta be kidding me. He said, I'm gonna use a crash axe unless you tell me what's in there. And uh, so Ben Rich had uh, Bobby Bond sign a bunch of NDAs, non-disclosure uh, agreements, and let him in there. And when he walked in, here's the whole F-19 program uh, an airplane that's superior to F-117A, uh, but nobody knows about this F-19. They built 64 of them, and all of them went to Israel. What they were doing is, um, Ben Rich was the highest ranking Mossad spy uh, west of Mississippi, and he was working just strictly for Israel. And uh, they built these airplanes, and the way they, they couldn't get money out of Congress because it would be obvious what they were doing. So what they did is, a lot of the uh, parts were similar um, to the F-117A, like the engines uh, were the same. And, um, and, and uh, uh, Ben says, well, okay, since we need two engines for the 117A, let's uh, cover our vets and uh, get another two for spares. And they did that for all the parts that were common uh, to the, F, the, between the F-19 and the F-117A. Uh, but they kept it pretty well secret until General Bond uh, had found out their secret. So uh, Bond never said anything about it to anybody. And in 1984, um, they offered him a ride in the F-19. And of course, he was pretty excited about that, uh, getting to fly that different airplane. And at Groom Lake, uh, they got them all fitted out for the, the cockpit. 
and uh, he took off uh, towards the northwest and then turned left down to almost highway uh, 95 uh, where he started to turn back and what they did is they gave the controls a full down uh, auto a full down control um, uh, signal that made it go straight into the ground and he crashed it uh, almost 500 knots into little school a little skull mountain there uh, killed him now the reason they had to kill him was they couldn't have, they couldn't afford for anybody to know that they had built these uh, 64 F-19s that the, the Air Force or the Pentagon knew nothing about, <coughs> and they were all going to Israel uh, at the expense of the taxpayer. Uh, so they had to get rid of them, and that's the way they did it. And when they uh, uh, made the accident report, they said General Bond had been flying a MiG-23. Now, as you know, we have one or two of every single airplane uh, Russia has, or anybody else has for that matter, uh, we use for testing. Uh, and there are uh, MiG-23s, but General Bond was not flying a MiG-23, he was flying an F-19. And I told this story on Facebook about uh, a year and a half ago, and I put there that Ben Rich was the highest ranking South by Western Mississippi. And I told the whole story about the F-19. And uh, a year or so, it was a year and a half ago, uh, a friend of mine passed away, his name was Daryl Greenwire. If, if you haven't heard the name, he was a lucky test pilot <coughs> who was the fifth guy to fly Blackbird. And um, he was a good friend of mine and we flew, we did a lot of things together. And uh, he worked at uh, Lockheed flying the Blackbird, knew a lot of guys there. And uh, he passed away a year and a half ago, and he had a uh, celebration of life down in Indio, near uh, Palm Desert. And um, I went there, Marilyn took me, drove me down there, and he had a banquet room with all these tables for the dinner there. And I sat close to the uh, front door because we had to leave early because uh, Marilyn doesn't like to drive at night. So I'm sitting there, and this guy comes in that I had known for 40 years. His name was Pete Law, and he was the head of thermodynamics at the Skunk Works for 40 years. And he came over and reached to my hand. He said, John, I want you to know there's a lot of us at Lockheed that appreciate you telling our secrets. Because they, they knew that Israel had taken over, but there was nothing they could do because they're not going to get their pension. So... I'm going to move on to just a couple other things. Um, some of you have heard of the uh, uh, Max, 737 Max uh, 8, uh, that killed so many people, three or 400 people. Uh, one was uh, in Malaysia, and the other was uh, in uh, Ethiopia. And it was blamed on uh, the angle of attack indicator, which is pure BS. Uh, uh, and what happened is, let me see if I can't even read my own eyes. What happened is, 
1996, some brains at Boeing decided to solve the hijacking problem. And what they did was they put a second uh, secret autopilot into the system uh, that they could take over and fly the airplane from a remote cockpit up there at uh, Seattle, Boeing Field, uh, and take over an airplane so that neither the pilot of that 737 uh, or the high cadet jackers could take over because the um, servo, uh, the, the servo uh, strength usually is at about 80 pounds uh, so that a pilot can overcome uh, any accidental up, down, fore, aft, uh, or any elevator uh, problem. And, uh, uh, and so he can take over and, and protect the airplane. But what they did is they set the servos for this secret autopilot at 140 pounds so that nobody uh, could take over the controls and they could, if the airplane was hijacked, they could fly it from their secret center at Boeing to some field and have the FBI ready to, uh, FBI ready to arrest the hijacker. Well, that was the plan, uh, but they never had to use that incidentally. The secret autopilot went on the 757767770 and everything that Boeing made. So two years ago, <clears throat> when these airplanes started crashing, both of them were very similar uh, in that they had a full nose down command of the controls the pilots couldn't control. And both the Malaysia pilots and both the Ethiopian pilots experienced the same thing. And Boeing tried to say, well, they just weren't trained enough, uh, well enough to, uh, uh, well enough to uh, uh, know how this all works. Well, that was BS. What happened was um, a secret uh, cabal, uh, and I say Zionist, I'm sure Zionist, but a secret cabal uh, wanted to uh, get rid of certain people. Uh, and the way they did it was they found out how to hack into the satellite and send a signal to the airplane that their enemy was on and give a full nose down command to get rid of the enemy. Now, you think uh, they killed 200 people just for one? Yeah, that's the way they think. That's what they did. And so, as you know, the Max A has been certified for flight again, and I'm just waiting for the next uh, accident to happen. Now, um, Airbus did the same thing, and there's been several accidents. Actually, there's been 14 accidents of major airplanes that have had this problem of full nose down command. And what it is, is this secret Zionist cabal uh, sending a satellite signal uh, to the um, <clears throat> to the airplane to kill one person they don't like. Uh, I told you about this. Oh, the size of the universe. Uh, there was no Big Bang. That's just bullshit. The universe has been here forever and ever. Not only is the universe, but there's billions of civilizations out there trillions of them 
not only in this genus, but there are other universes out there. It's so big that there's not even a way to try and tell you how big it's going on out there. So um, it's just it's just mantras. So um, it's not there's no such thing as a big bang. It didn't start, uh, you know, 17 billion years ago or they say it's all BS. <clears throat> so. Uh, one couple months, don't go out to the World Trade Center. Um, and the biggest secret, uh, I showed you the subways. And uh, now, one more thing I wanted to tell you before I tell you the final thing is um, about 30 years ago, the Navy found out uh, that the seven Western states, the United States, uh, sit, uh, float on a geographical plate. Uh, on the Pacific Ocean, so that the Pacific Ocean actually goes all the way to Colorado underground. And the way I found this out is I used to drive a lot to Reno to see my folks, and every time I went through Hawthorne, Nevada, there's a big blue sign that said, U.S. Naval Undersea Warfare Center. And I'm thinking, in the middle of the desert, how can there be a warfare center submarine warfare center in the middle of the desert. I mean, there's a lake there, and Walker Lake is 100 feet deep, you know, 50 miles long, but certainly not to get a submarine into there. Uh, and finally I found out what was going on, uh, and that was that uh, they have an elevator <coughs> that goes from um, the Navy uh, buildings there on the edge of Walker Lake, uh, it's 30 feet in diameter, and it goes down 3,400 feet, which is exactly the distance that Hawthorne is above sea level. And it connects with the Pacific Ocean. So the submarines, nuclear submarines, come, come in, there's two entrances. One at Monterey Bay uh, and one at Malibu. And these canyons, they can follow uh, and get into this under the Pacific Ocean and go anywhere they want. Uh, they can go to any of the under seven states. They can go up to uh, uh, Idaho. <laughs> they can go to Colorado as well. They went to China Lake. They go to Green Lake. They can go anywhere they want. But the reason they went to Hawthorne is because Hawthorne is uh, forever has a secret uh, secret facility inside the mountains of Northwest for making all the really high tech secret weapons for submarines. Uh, missiles, bombs, uh, all kinds of stuff. And what would they have to do is, after it was made, they'd have to sneak it out of Hawthorne, up to Reno, and over to San Francisco, uh, to the Navy base there, or uh, down to Hawthorne, to Las Vegas, and to San Diego, where the main submarine base is. And of course, that was uh, really risky because there was so much uh, but so much problem, so much chance that they could find out what they were doing. So they found out they could just dig this uh, elevator and it went down 3,400 feet. And now to get all their secret stuff, all they have to do is uh, make the submarine go into uh, Monterey Bay, into one of these canyons, and they can access the Pacific Ocean and go all the way to Hawthorne and under Hawthorne, there's a huge submarine uh, bay there for, you know, three or four 
five, six nuclear submarines, and that's where they get all their uh, uh, secret munitions and ballistic missiles and stuff like that. And one more important thing, we've all heard of Fukushima and the problems that it caused. What happened is four nuclear reactors blew up of the 50 nuclear reactors that uh, Japan had. And what happened is um, six years ago, um, six years ago, uh, Japan put out a contract uh, for the security of, to guard the security of those 50 nuclear generators. And several people bid on it. And one, one entity that did bid on it was uh, a company in Israel. And uh, Israel won the contract and they were in charge of all the nuclear facilities uh, in Japan. At the same time, they found out that Japan had a secret agreement with Iran to supply them with high-grade plutonium uh, that they could use for an atomic bomb. Well, Israel was so pissed off at this that they decided to take care of Japan, and what they did was, first of all, they got the contract for the safety of the, of the generators, and then they had a submarine with an atomic bomb 100 miles northwest or northeast of Fukushima, and they waited for a uh, minor uh, earthquake, and they set off that atomic bomb, uh, which uh, sent up a uh, tidal wave, or part of a tidal wave to the shoreline at Fukushima, Fukushima, and then they shut off the safety guards for the nuclear generators. And that's what happened is they, uh, uh, all those generators blew themselves up, and it was because uh, they had taken the safety guards off those uh, generators. And the problems are very serious and go on and on and on, uh, but nobody wants to talk about it. But that was uh, Israel, that's what they did, and that was paying uh, Japan back uh, for trying to give Iran uh, the nuclear stuff. So. I think that's about all. Do you want any more? Uh, if you have any questions, I'll take one question from each person and then I got a pain. I mean, take a nap. <laughs> questions? No questions? Wow, this is great. I'm ready if no one else. Go. Um, I'm curious about. Uh, do you think that there's going to be a false flag in the near future having to do with off-planet beings? <clears throat> I'm especially concerned with it being in Las Vegas, but what are your thoughts on that? I couldn't hear. What did you say? Is it going to be a false flag event in Las Vegas? Well, like a false um, alien. Like a yeah. false alien attack. That I don't know. I know that martial law was declared on January 21st and the military is going to be taking over pretty soon. I don't know what they're waiting for, uh, but I'm sure it's going to happen pretty soon. And uh, it was the support of Trump. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think the driving forces of evil, if we can just keep it simple that way, do you think they're generated by off-planet beings or by our own uh, 
our own nature, the human nature. What'd you I'll say it louder, John. Do you think, would you guess that most of the problems that we have on the earth right now are generated uh, due to off-planet beings having their own problems and, it, and we being the fallout, we we're catching the fallout of it, or is this really just generated? Because I, most human beings that I know are very kind, nice people. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think I've ever met an evil person. They're I've, generating the problems. And the reason is, is because, first of all, none of us are from Earth. We've all lived hundreds, sometimes thousands of lives before this, over millions of years. You've lived hundreds of lives. You've lived hundreds of lives. Everybody here has lived hundreds of lives. But somewhere along the line, we've lost touch uh, with the things that are important when you live in outer space. And that is uh, living your life with integrity, without envy, without hate, without greed. And so whatever we did, we need a refresher course. And what they do is there's hundreds of planets, just like Earth, for refresher courses for people like you and me that need refreshing on living our lives with integrity, without envy, without hate, without greed. And that's what we're doing on here. So many people say, what are we doing here anyway? We're learning how to live our lives with integrity, without envy, hate, or greed. That's why I got this t-shirt. Um, these are for sale if anybody wants them. But uh, my job here is, uh, uh, is to pass on this information. And uh, I was sent here to do that. I don't know who sent me, uh, but I do know that the, that's my job. So remember, uh, when you die, about 12 seconds later, uh, you find yourself in the fourth dimension, and it's a, a magnificent place. Uh, and you'll be met by whoever you believe in. If you believe in God or believe in Jesus or Allah or any other 50 or 60 gods. Uh, and in my case, it's a great pumpkin. Uh, you gotta meet the great pumpkin. And uh, they take you into a place where you get to meet some of the really good friends that you've known during your past 200 lifetimes. And you get to meet them, you get to remember about all the things you did and it's really a joyful experience. And then after about 45 minutes of that, by the way, when Steve Jobs died, uh, his whole family was around his bed, and 15 seconds before he ex technically expired, died, he sat up in the bed and said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. <laughs> and what he was seeing is the fourth dimension and they let him see it a little bit earlier, for what reason, I don't know. But that's what he was seeing. So after you get to meet all these people that you've known in your lifetime, they take you into a room, and you have what they call a life review. 